Thought Leadership from PwC. Welcome to PwC's Accounting Podcast. I'm Heather Horn. Today's episode is our audio companion to PwC's publication, California's Not Waiting for the SEC's Climate Disclosure Rules, which was updated in October and November 2023 to reflect that the California governor signed SB 253 and SB 261 into law and to add details about SB 54 and AB 1305, which were also signed into law in October. So even if you've listened to this before, I highly encourage you to check out the new episode because it definitely includes more information. For the latest information and resources on this and other sustainability topics, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and also catch a replay of our fourth quarter sustainability web Webcast on November 16th. Links to register for the webcast are included in the show notes, or you can head on over to viewpoint.pwc.com. On that note, all resources referenced throughout the podcast, including publications and guidance from non-PwC parties, are linked in the print publication at viewpoint.pwc.com. With that, let's get started. On October 7, 2023, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed three landmark climate disclosure bills that are poised to change the landscape of climate reporting in the United States. Over 10,000 U.S. companies, including both public and private companies, as well as subsidiaries of non-U.S. headquarter companies, will be subject to the climate disclosure requirements in the near term. The bills require, one, greenhouse gas, GHG, emissions reporting in compliance with the greenhouse gas protocol. Two, climate-related financial risk reporting in line with the recommendations of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, TCFD. And three, disclosure of information about certain emissions claims and the sale and use of carbon offsets. Both the GHG protocol and TCFG requirements should be familiar to companies given their reference in the Securities and Exchange Commission's SEC climate disclosure proposal. The European Sustainability Reporting Standards, ESRS, and the IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards. The number of entities in scope of the California bills, however, goes well beyond that of the SEC's climate disclosure proposal because the requirements apply to both public and private companies with business activities in California. The fact sheet for California Senate Bill 261, issued May 2023, says, quote, California's prime to lead the way in requiring companies to disclose their climate risk by setting the bar on TCFD-aligned disclosure, filling in the gaps from proposed SEC rules, and providing a blueprint for other U.S. states to drive disclosure from non-SEC-regulated entities. End quote. The bills are brief only a few pages each, and lack answers to some questions regarding how and when to apply the requirements. 
The California Air Resources Board, CARB, is expected to provide more detailed guidance on SB 253 and SB 261 in regulations required to be issued prior to January 1, 2025. But there are no definitive plans to develop additional guidance for AB 1305, and the initial disclosure requirements are imminent. We recommend that companies evaluate applicability and reporting requirements related to all of the bills based on what's known now to prepare for what may be a company's first foray into mandatory climate-related disclosure. With that, let's review a high-level summary of the impacts of the three bills, starting with AB 1305, Voluntary Carbon Market Disclosures. First, the primary disclosure topic. One, emissions claims. Two, use of carbon offsets. And three, sale of carbon offsets. The framework for 1305 is not applicable. Scope. Entities that, one, operate and make emissions claims within California, or two, buy or sell carbon offsets in California. Exemptions, none. The information will need to be filed and publicly available on the company's website. And there are no assurance requirements, although disclosures required about any independent third-party verification obtained. Finally, the compliance date. January 1, 2024, with information updated at least annually. Next, Senate Bill 253, the Climate Corporate Data Accountability Act. The primary disclosure topic is Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3, GHG emissions. The relevant framework is the GHG protocol. Scope is business entities with annual revenue over $1 billion that do business in California. Exemptions, the University of California. Where filed, publicly available on a digital platform. And there are phased assurance requirements beginning with limited assurance. Finally, the compliance date. Annual reporting of scope one and scope two emissions in 2026 on prior fiscal year with Scope 3 starting in 2027. Finally, SB 261, Greenhouse Gases, Climate-Related Financial Risk. The primary disclosure topic is 1. Climate-Related Financial Risks, and 2. The measures a company's adopted to reduce and adapt to such risks. The framework is TCFD. And the scope is business entities with annual revenue over $500 million that do business in California. Exemptions are insurance companies. And where filed, the information needs to be publicly available on the company's website. There are no assurance requirements. Finally, compliance date. On or before January 1, 2026, and biannually thereafter. Who would be subject to the new laws? The applicability of AB 1305 depends on a company's activities and is not limited based on any financial thresholds. The scoping requirements for SB 253 and SB 261 are similar and apply to companies that are, quote, doing business, end quote, in California, and that exceed specified revenue thresholds. Let's start with applicability of AB 1305. The bill includes three different sets of disclosures, each with different scoping requirements, applicable to a company that engages in the following activities. 
first makes emission claims. Companies, quote, operating in California that make claims in the state, one, about the achievement of net zero emissions, or two, that the company, its affiliated entities or products are A, carbon neutral, or otherwise imply that they do not add to greenhouse gas emissions, or B, have significantly reduced emissions. Second category, uses or purchases voluntary carbon offsets. Companies, quote, operating in California that, one, make emissions claims, and two, buy or use voluntary carbon offsets sold in California. Voluntary carbon offsets exclude those that relate to a legal or regulatory mandate to reduce or prevent emissions. For example, California's cap and trade program. Final category is markets or sells voluntary carbon offsets. This applies to companies that market or sell voluntary carbon offsets in California. Quote, operating in California. AB 1305 does not provide any explanation about what it means to operate in California. We believe this would encompass companies that are, quote, doing business in California, as discussed momentarily in the applicability of SB 253 in SB 261 section, but may also apply to any company that makes emissions-related claims in California. This could include, for example, disclosing claims on a website that's accessible in California. Because no additional guidance is given in the bill, companies should consult with their legal counsel to determine whether they are in scope. Applicability of SB 253 and SB 261. These bills apply to what Senate Bill 253 refers to as a, quote, reporting entity, and Senate Bill 261 refers to as a, quote, covered entity, although other than a difference in the applicable revenue threshold, the definitions are the same. For SB 253, a reporting entity means a partnership, corporation, limited liability company, or other business entity formed under the laws of this state, the laws of any other state of the United States or the District of Columbia, or under an act of the Congress of the United States with total annual revenues in excess of $1 billion U.S. dollars, and that does business in California. For SB 261, Covered entity means a corporation, partnership, limited liability company, or other business entity formed under the laws of the state, the laws of any other state of the United States or the District of Columbia, or under an act of the Congress of the United States with total annual revenues in excess of $500 million U.S. dollars, and that does business in California. These definitions do not make an exception based on the ultimate parent of the business entity, meaning that U.S. subsidiaries of non-U.S. companies that meet the criteria would be in scope. Under both definitions, applicability will be measured based on the entity's revenue for the prior fiscal year. And the revenue thresholds are not based just on revenue generated in California. Instead, an entity would need to consider its total annual revenue, regardless of where the revenue was generated, including revenue generated outside the United States. Further, absent additional clarification, we believe that revenue should be calculated in accordance with U.S. GAAP or the IFRS accounting standards as applicable, as reported in the annual financial statements. 
quote, doing business in California. A company that exceeds the Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261 revenue thresholds would next need to assess whether it is, quote, doing business in California. Although this term is not defined in the bills, it is defined in California's existing tax code, which was referenced in legislative meeting materials. The California Franchise Tax Board considers a company to be, quote, doing business if it meets any of the following. One, engages in any transaction for the purpose of financial gain within California. Two, organized or commercially domiciled in California or California sales, property, or payroll that exceed specified amounts, which are adjusted annually. A company may need to closely assess whether it, quote, engages in transactions for purposes of financial gain within California, as we believe this may be interpreted broadly. In addition, the specified sales, property, and payroll metrics are relatively low. In 2002, they were just over 690000 for sales and just under 70000 for property and payroll. Further, the definition of sales within the California Revenue and Taxation Code is expansive. It states, in part, that sales represent, quote, the gross amounts realized on the sale or exchange of property, the performance of services, or the use of property or capital, including rents, royalties, interest, and dividends in a transaction that produces business income in which the income, gain, or loss is recognized or would be recognized if the transaction were in the United States under the Internal Revenue Code, end quote. These definitions have some additional complexity, and we recommend companies consult with their tax and legal advisors in assessing whether they meet these criteria. Exemptions. Insurance companies, that is, business entities subject to regulation by the Department of Insurance, are fully exempt from the requirements of Senate Bill 261 because they're already required to report under the TCFD. In 2022, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, which includes California's insurance commissioner, adopted a new standard for insurance companies to report their climate-related risks in alignment with the TCFD framework. Importantly, however, insurance companies are not exempt from the emissions disclosure requirements in Senate Bill 253. Senate Bill 253 includes a specific exemption for the University of California unless the regents of the University of California choose to require it. Otherwise, the bill applies to all reporting entities, as defined, that meet the stated thresholds. Senate Bill 253 also specifies that its disclosures will satisfy current reporting requirements that apply to a number of California electricity generators, industrial facilities, fuel suppliers, and electricity importers under Assembly Bill 32, the Global Warming Solutions Act of 2006. Question, do the California bills apply to nonprofit entities? Answer, there's no specific exemption for nonprofit entities. It's the legal structure of the entity that determines whether it's subject to the bills and not its tax-exempt status. We believe the bills are intended to be broadly applicable to for-profit and nonprofit organizations. Next, we'll discuss what are the disclosure requirements. 
The following section is an overview of the disclosure requirements of the three bills, which create new sections within the California's Health and Safety Code. Starting with Emissions Claims and Carbon Offset Reporting. Under Assembly Bill 1305, a company in scope of one or more of the following categories will need to have the required disclosures posted to its website upon the bill's effective date of January 1, 2024. The disclosures must be updated at least annually. First, companies making emissions claims. Required disclosures include, quote, all information, end quote, about how, if at all, the companies determine that its claims are accurate or achieved and how interim progress towards its goals is measured, which, quote, may include, but are not limited to, end quote, the following. One, identification of the entity's science-based targets for emissions reductions pathway. Two, the relevant sector methodology and third-party verification used for the entity's science-based targets and emissions reduction pathway. Also, whether there is independent third-party verification of its greenhouse gas emissions or other data or claims. Next, disclosures for companies with voluntary carbon offsets purchased or used must include the name of the seller of the offset and the offset registry or program. Two, the project identification number and name as listed in the registry or program, if applicable. Three, the offset project type, including whether the offsets purchased were derived from a carbon removal and avoided emission or a combination of both, and site location. Next, the specific protocol used to estimate emissions reductions or removal benefits. Finally, whether there is independent third-party verification of the data and claims listed. The final set of disclosures relate to companies with voluntary carbon offsets marketed or sold. They must disclose, one, details about the carbon offset project, including the protocol used, the location of the offset project site, whether the project meets any established standards, whether there is independent validation or verification of the project attributes, and the emissions reduced or carbon removed on an annual basis. Next, details of accountability measures taken if a project is not completed or does not meet projected emissions reduction or removal benefits. And finally, the data and calculation methods needed to reproduce and verify the number of emissions reduction or removal credits issued. Next, moving on to GHG emissions reporting. SB 253 targets GHG emissions reporting and requires the disclosure of Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3 emissions in compliance with the GHG protocol. Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions are required to be disclosed in the first year of reporting, and Scope 3 emissions have a one-year deferral. Let's review some key provisions of Senate Bill 253 related to each scope of emissions. Starting with Scope 1 and Scope 2, the initial year of reporting is 2026, with the due date to be determined by CARB. The period covered will be the prior fiscal year, 2025, and limited assurance will be required on the 2025 information filed in 2026, with reasonable assurance phased in on the 2029 information filed in 2030. 
Next, moving to scope three. The initial year of reporting will be 2027. The due date will be 180 days after scope one and scope two. And the period covered will be the prior fiscal year, 2026. Limited assurance will be on a date to be determined by CARB in 2026, and reasonable assurance is not addressed. As just summarized, initial reporting will begin in 2026, covering prior year Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions, with Scope 3 emissions added a year later, although the logistics of how and when the information is to be published, as well as the exact due date in 2026, will be determined by CARB and included in regulations adopted on or prior to January 1, 2025. The bill also specifies that Scope 3 reporting will not be due until 180 days after Scope 1 and Scope 2 information is publicly disclosed. The bill also requires independent third-party assurance over a company's GHG emissions reporting, starting with limited assurance, a review, and moving to reasonable assurance, an audit, in subsequent periods. The bill specifies the qualifications for the third-party assurance provider. These qualifications mirror those included in the proposed SEC rule. The regulations to be adopted by CARB may provide additional clarity on some of the provisions in the bill. Next, let's move to climate-related financial risk reporting. Senate Bill 261 encompasses broad reporting of climate-related financial risk prepared in accordance with the recommendations in the TCFD framework. It also requires additional disclosures related to the measures the companies adopted to reduce and adapt to the disclosed climate-related financial risks. A company must make its report publicly available on its website by January 1, 2026 and biannually thereafter, although the bill does not specify the as-of date. Under Senate Bill 261, a subsidiary that meets the criteria for reporting is not required to prepare its climate-related financial risk report separately if its parent company prepares the consolidated report. A similar provision was not included in Senate Bill 253 or Assembly Bill 1305. The TCFD framework includes 11 recommended disclosures within four core pillars, governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets. Although these are referred to as, quote, recommendations, the California bill mandates these disclosures for companies that are in scope. Let's review the 11 disclosures, starting with governance. One, describe the board's oversight of climate-related risks and opportunities. And two, describe management's role in assessing and managing climate-related risks and opportunities. Next, strategy. One, describe the climate-related risks and opportunities that organization has identified over the short, medium, and long term. Next, describe the impact of climate-related risks and opportunities on the organization's businesses, strategy, and financial planning. And finally, in this category, describe the resilience of the organization's strategy taking into consideration different climate-related scenarios, including a 2 degrees Celsius or lower scenario. Moving on to risk management. One, describe the organization's processes for identifying and assessing climate-related risks. 
Next, describe the organization's processes for managing climate-related risks. And finally in this category, describe how processes for identifying, assessing, and managing climate-related risks are integrated into the organization's overall risk management. Final category, metrics and targets. One, disclose the metrics used by the organization to assess climate-related risks and opportunities in line with its strategy and risk management process. Next, disclose scope one, scope two, and if appropriate, scope three greenhouse gas emissions and the related risks. Three, describe the targets used by the organization to manage climate-related risks and opportunities and performance against targets. The TCFD disclosures under Senate Bill 261 include metrics related to greenhouse gases, but the nature of the disclosures and assurance requirements differ from the GHG disclosures under Senate Bill 253. Each bill requires Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions, but while the TCFD, which is the basis for the Senate Bill 261 requirements, quote, strongly encourages the disclosure of Scope 3 emissions, Senate Bill 253 requires it. In addition, greenhouse gas metrics reported under Senate Bill 261 will not be subject to assurance requirements. The bill also provides that companies unable to fully comply with the TCFD requirements may complete the disclosures to the best of their ability and provide a detailed explanation of any reporting gaps and the steps they will take to prepare complete disclosures. There's no similar relief, however, for the requirement to disclose the company's measures to reduce and adapt to climate-related financial risks. Interoperability With the proliferation of sustainability reporting standards, the concept of interoperability, that is, the ability to leverage disclosures prepared under one framework to satisfy the requirements of another framework, has garnered much attention and is a common theme in public feedback regarding proposed rules. In this spirit, California lawmakers hope to ease the administrative burden on preparers by allowing a company to satisfy its reporting requirements under Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261 by leveraging disclosures prepared to meet other national and international reporting requirements, as long as those reports meet the requirements of the bills. In addition, Senate Bill 261 specifies that its requirements may be satisfied through voluntary reporting in accordance with other national and international reporting requirements, including reports prepared in compliance with the IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards. Further, in the discussion leading up to the final California Senate vote on Senate Bill 261, The bill's author committed to consider a, quote, cleanup component, end quote, that will, quote, create space for pathways of reporting that take into account other climate risk reporting work being done at the federal level, as well as some other states and local governments, end quote. This suggests that there may be follow-on legislation allowing additional interoperability. There are no provisions within Assembly Bill 1305 that would allow its disclosures to be satisfied by disclosures prepared under other frameworks. Interaction with the Big Three Frameworks While the commitment to interoperability is intended to create efficiency, Senate Bill 253 clarifies that leveraging another report is only permitted 
quote, as long as those reports satisfy all of the requirements of this section, end quote. It is unclear, however, if reporting in accordance with the big three frameworks would satisfy Senate Bill 253's requirements because none of them fully comply with the GHG protocol. Even the IFRS sustainability disclosure standards, which Senate Bill 261 touts as compliant with that bill, do not meet all of the requirements of Senate Bill 253 because the ISSB standards do not require both location-based and market-based disclosures for scope 2 emissions. However, both are required by the GHG protocol. There may be additional clarification when CARB creates the regulations. Otherwise, for both Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261, which includes similar language, additional analysis will be needed to determine which other frameworks meet the requirements. Monitoring. The bills differ in how the requirements are monitored and enforced. Assembly Bill 1305 does not identify a specific party to monitor company disclosures and to report on findings, although penalties for noncompliance are to be assessed by a, quote, court of competent jurisdiction. Those penalties are civil penalties and can be up to $2,500 per day, not to exceed $500,000, which will be assessed in a civil action brought in the name of the people of the state of California. Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261 direct CARB to identify third parties to monitor company disclosures by. For Senate Bill 253, engaging with, quote, the University of California, the California State University, a national laboratory, or other equivalent academic institution, end quote, on or before July 1, 2027, to evaluate and report publicly on the disclosures in the context of state greenhouse gas emissions reduction and climate goals. For Senate Bill 261, contracting with a nonprofit climate reporting organization operating in the United States and experience with climate-related financial risk disclosures by companies operating in California. Such entity will review a sample of the TCFD disclosures by industry and prepare a biennial public report with specified elements, including the identification of inadequate or insufficient reports. Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261 authorize CARB to establish administrative penalties for non-filing, late-filing, or other compliance failures, although the two bills have different thresholds. For Senate Bill 253, the penalty is not to exceed $500,000 in any year. For Senate Bill 261, the penalty is not to exceed $50,000 in any year. In both cases, the amount of penalty will take into account the company's history of compliance and whether it makes a, quote, good faith effort to comply. In addition, the final bill provides a safe harbor for Scope 3 disclosures if they are, quote, made with a reasonable basis and disclosed in good faith, end quote, until 2030. Penalties can only be assessed for non-filing of Scope 3 emissions. Venture Capital Diversity Disclosures The package of required disclosures signed into California law in October also included a fourth bill, Senate Bill 54, which applies to venture capital companies that, 
One, invest in or finance startups, early stage or emerging growth companies or manage assets on behalf of third-party investors. And two, are headquartered in, have a significant presence or operational office in, invest in businesses located or with significant operations in, or solicit or receive investments from a resident of California. In-scope companies are required to survey their venture capital investees to obtain diversity information, for example, gender identity, race, ethnicity, about the investees' founders. Based on the survey results and beginning March 1, 2025 and annually thereafter, a covered entity will need to report information about its investments to the Civil Rights Department, which will make the information publicly available through its website. What's next? The bills were approved by the California State Assembly and Senate in rapid succession in the final days before the September 14, 2023 end of the legislative session and signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom on October 7, 2023. The governor's approval of Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261 was accompanied by signing messages indicating that he plans to work with the California legislature next year to address certain concerns, including the implementation deadlines. Whether the legislature will consider any delay, however, is unknown, and we recommend companies start to prepare now. With initial posting of disclosures related to Assembly Bill 1305 required in less than two months, the California bills may trigger the first sustainability reporting requirements for many, if not most, of the companies in scope. Even the requirements of Senate Bill 253 and Senate Bill 261 may precede a company's first CSRD deadline. Companies potentially in scope of the California bills should start to prepare for their reporting obligations now. Prudent steps to take would include evaluating scope, understanding the requirements, and assessing how to comply. Given some of the unanswered questions, these determinations may require judgment and a company should assess the need for early involvement of its legal counsel. In addition, it will be important for companies to understand where these requirements align and diverge from the requirements in other frameworks to which they are subject in order to leverage systems, processes, and resources most efficiently. Our In the Loop, Navigating the ESG Landscape, provides an overview of the key differences among the big three frameworks, which companies may find helpful in identifying opportunities to align all of the reporting obligations. If not started already, now is the time to begin to prepare. See our In the Loop ESG reporting, preparing for tomorrow's rules today, for some helpful steps that can be applied to preparing for any sustainability framework. That does it for our In the Loop audio companion. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the print version available at viewpoint.pwc.com, where you'll find footnote references and further links to the legislation. Our publications, comment letters, and podcasts offer additional information and insight. So that you never miss any of our audio content, follow the PwC Accounting Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. From Thought Leadership at PwC's National Office, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in.
This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and they sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.